I'll meet you at the club in two hours. I got way late. No! You got the A. Donald Trump was elected president. Uh, total environmental collapse followed almost immediately. Um, everybody who could afford to left Earth, right? Like bailed, like went into space. All you fucking truck nuts, all you fucking dickholes who could get out, fucking got out. Um, pretty much everybody else died there's like mostly replicants who are left and not a lot of replicants I guess there are probably some humans around as if replicants weren't humans you know what I mean there's probably some like non-replicant people around too um and I started doing this podcast I told myself right the like thing of it was like like, no matter what happens, right? Like, you fuckers can leave Earth. Leave us with just, like, trash, right? And you still are not gonna break me, right? Like, I'm not gonna be like, oh, fuck, I'm not gonna give up. I'm gonna be like, you know what? I'm gonna take this fucking... <laughs> I'm gonna take these fucking lemons that you left me. And I'm gonna make something cool out of them, right? Um... And, like, as a side note, I guess one of the things that's happened is that I've realized how awesome lemons are, right? Like, you don't think that lemons rule. Like, that whole when life gives you lemons shit is bullshit, right? Um, at least on a pretty literal level. If, like, life gives you lemons, that's actually nice. It's nice to have lemons. But, I mean, this is a story you know. I only bring it up because what I'm realizing is that... Um, like, I told myself that this was, like, a project that was going to accomplish something. What I'm realizing is that when, like, a major change in your life happens like that, right? Like, when you have a job, you have work, you, like, have a regular schedule, you've got stuff you need to be doing all the time, and then that ends. Sometimes, like, this, this funny thing happens where you're like, oh, fuck, like, I need to come up with something that will occupy that space in, like, my heart, right? Or in my schedule, or in my, like... Uh, expenditure of energy. You know what I mean? You'll be like, oh, I'm used to like having a thing that is an obligation and so now that that obligation is gone, I'd better replace it with a new obligation. And I was thinking about that stuff because I kept postponing this movie, dude. I kept not wanting to watch Under the Cherry Moon. And to some extent, I think that makes sense, right? I was like just coming off doing a five movie series and I decided I was going to do another three movie series. But also, um, it's like a black and white movie, right? Um, I don't usually 
I struggle to watch anything before like 1980, right? Or like read anything from before 1980. I don't really, not like a film historian, right? And so black and white stuff, even though this one came out in what, 1988 or something, I feel like it's kind of off-putting for me. It's also this like exotic, like French locale in a way that feels like I get why people are, are attracted to that, the like opulence and all that stuff. But for whatever reason, it just, it seems like like a paradigm in film that's just not that exciting to me, right? And so, um, I don't know, like I was stoked to watch it, right? I'm actually pretty fascinated with what Prince has done in movies and that stuff, but um, I don't know, by the same token, for whatever reason, it took me a while to get around to it, right? And so I was realizing that just that thing about that obligation, right? I'm going to make myself a new obligation that I have to keep on top of. Um, that stuff feeling less like exciting when it feels more like an obligation and less like an opportunity to watch some dumb bullshit that you're excited to watch. You know what I mean? And so I was struggling with that a little bit. I did a fucking episode about Batman meets Superman last week, right? The whatever. I talked enough last week about my indifference about that movie. So anyway, that's sort of, that's my, that's my context for watching this movie. And I feel like actually context, like, we probably don't, like, we will talk about individual, like, art, <laughs> I don't know, nodes? What the fuck is an art? Like a movie, or an album, or a song, or a poet, or a poem, right? I feel like we often talk about these things as if they exist in a vacuum, and I think the older I get, the more I realize that, like, the compelling thing about a band, or, like, a poet, or a writer, or whatever, is often, like that context that surrounds it, the story that we have for it. I feel like one of the reasons I've never really gotten into poetry or been able to like crack into that whole world is because like I feel like one of the things we talk about when we talk about poetry is we talk about poets, right? We talk about like, I don't know who the fuck Gary Snyder is. He's a poet, right? Um, or like what his life has been like. Um, and I mean, you see this shit with bands all the time, right? Like teenagers and like kids in like junior high and high school for whom like a t-shirt with a band on it is supposed to communicate a lot more than like I like this band right like to some extent of course I still do this right I wear like a back patch on my jacket all the time that's just like advertising for some fucking band but like you know whatever anyway context right that's my context for this movie and to some extent I feel like that context for Under the Cherry Moon predicted my experience of Under the Cherry Moon where I was like there's some great stuff in this right like Prince is a weirdo and Prince is having a good time and Prince is doing whatever the fuck he wants and um that like excitement in doing a thing really comes through right there's a scene where he's like it like opens and it's like him like holding like a children's boat and then it pans out and you see that he is in the bathtub and he's playing with like a bathtub boat toy and wearing like a um not a cowboy hat exactly but like it's it's kind of like a cowboy hat but the top is flat instead of like humped like a cowboy hat um and that's the only thing he's wearing he's wearing one of those hats kind of like ducky from pretty in pink um although I feel like the brim is wider than the kind of hat that like that like 80s like fop style person would wear I don't know anyway um it's just like Prince in the bathtub playing with a boat and then also you pan back and um what's his name from the fucking time uh Morris Day is that right I forget anyway 
the other dude, the other main dude from the other two movies that he's done, um, is also in the room with him while he's taking a bath and playing with his boat and wearing a hat. Um, like, there's definitely stuff going on that is interesting about masculinity in this movie, right? Um, I feel like masculinity is often one of the, the lenses that is interesting, one of the interesting contexts through which to look at a movie because masculinity is such a huge fucking thing that casts the shadow, shadow over and, like, permeates everything. But, like, we, like, it's invisibilized in this really powerful way, and I feel like what's going on with masculinity in this movie is really interesting um, in the same way, or in different ways, I guess, than in the other two movies. I mean... Honestly, I feel like Under the Cherry Moon is, like, the least best of the three Prince movies that are not concert films that I've watched. You know what I mean? It's... It's fine. It's not bad. I was... I... I, I struggled to pay attention to it, honestly. Um, there's a bunch going on. That's probably got as much to do with what I like as the movie itself, right? The idea that any of this shit that anybody does is objective is obviously some self-serving baloney dude prince i think calls something baloney in this movie that was good i liked it when that happened um basically so okay so another lens and another reason why i feel like i struggle to know what to tell you about this movie is that uh the two main characters tricky and christopher are they're both i think they use the word gigolo they definitely use the word gigolo i forget whether they use the word whore but they're two like sex workers in a way that they're like the time period is unclear it feels like it's like an old-timey movie except also everybody's got like modern amplifiers and um there's like really intentional anachronism in the same way that i believe shakespeare did a lot of intentional anachronism although maybe shakespeare's anachronism was unintentional and it was just high school so that's where i learned about anachronism and so i assumed shakespeare did it on purpose because everybody fucking loves shakespeare um but yeah, it's just like old-timey movie where there are these two guys who are kind of broke and then sometimes they're rich. And right, so one of the things is, like, I feel like I am not, in the same way that I'm, like, not a good person to look to to explain to you about blackness, right? Like, I'm also not the best person to talk to you about uh, being a sex worker in any way. And so, like, failing either of those analyses, I feel like, you know, I want somebody who like has more experience with those things or more like knowledge about those things to talk about those things in these movies than I do and so really um you know what can I tell you about this movie and these movies I think it's awesome the way the prince just fucking goes for it I was thinking a lot about that idea that like the like grim like dark like realism uh that I think is often privileged in when we talk about film in this culture um and less so the grim and the dark than the realism I feel like I'm like having a pretty powerful rejection of that in my life lately. I feel like the more I watch these movies for this podcast, the more I'm like, these are just they're a different kind of good and there may be a better kind of good than like, you know, you're fucking, I don't know. Maybe it's also the time when I grew up because like the movies that I think about when I look back and I'm like, this was like what we thought was like a great movie, right? Where things like Seven, that like serial killer movie felt like when I was like, whenever that came out, however old I was a teenager, it felt like, dude, this is like the grim shit that's really talking about real shit in a way that's important. Um, and I guess as I'm saying this about that type of movie, I'm thinking like <laughs> maybe I'm rejecting out of hand 
movies that are considered to be good that I haven't actually seen, and so that's probably not fair. Anyway, whatever, dude, I'm just, I'm just fucking going on. What can I tell you about this movie? I've got notes. Let's check my notes. Um, we are told at the beginning of the movie that Prince's character, Christopher, is going to die. Um, there's a long scene at the beginning where somebody just keeps handing Prince napkins with things written on them about how there's this woman who wants to do it with him, and he's, like, gonna, like... I guess, like, the central plot of this movie is that Prince falls in love with this rich girl, right? And he's this broke, like, quote-unquote gigolo, and he, like, she's like, are you just, like, trying to get my money? And maybe it started out that way, that he was just trying to get her money, but then he really did fall in love with her, but then... Like, there's some, like, adult white men in this movie who I had trouble distinguishing between, and, like, one was maybe her dad, and one was maybe, like... Her dad's like muscle or like his like hit man not hitman because I don't think well maybe he's a hitman. His like thug, maybe. Um and so like her dad like wants to kill Prince. And also like Prince's character will like do it with this girl or like almost do it with this girl and then like hurt her feelings and then go call her dad and like say like weird shit to her dad on the phone, like <laughs> in a similar way to how it can be hard to figure out what are the um, motivations of the characters in Purple Rain and in Graffiti Bridge, it can be kind of tough to figure out what these characters' interior lives are like, right? Um, and so, anyway, that's the overarching plot. It's a love story, right? Prince, Prince's character Christopher falls in love with this girl. He and his best friend are like hustlers, and they like are trying to get money, and like... Ladies seem to love them, even though, from what I can tell, they're really, like, their, like, mode of flirting is... I said sociopathic before. I feel like that's not the word. It's, I, you know, here's the thing about heterosexuality, right? <coughs> it can be really weird, and I feel like um, that is one of the things that can be confounding about this movie, right, is like, what is, how does heterosexuality work in this movie? What does heterosexuality do? Like, what is its role in these characters' lives? Like, why are they acting the ways that they're acting? I think it's because of heterosexuality. Um, which I think really highlights the struggle that is being heterosexual, right? Um, you are expected not to talk about a lot of stuff that we actually as human beings need to talk about. And so that's probably one of the the threads in this movie. Um, but yeah, so it's this love story. And like, Mary's cool. She like, is super rich. And there's like a birthday party for her. And like, the first thing she does is show up and like, get naked in front of a bunch of like, easily shocked rich people. And then like, get on a drum set and play Planet Rock and have the band, like, join in with her, which is, you know, that's a good way to make an entrance at your birthday party. And then Prince is like, dude, who fucking knows? Um, he, maybe he falls in love with her then. Maybe he decides that she's a mark then. He, like, somebody gives her some tarot cards and he, like, steals them. And then I think tarot cards are the thing that he says are baloney. Um, Mary has these friends and, like, I've touched on this before. It is the ideological stance. Maybe I haven't said it quite this explicitly. It is the Id ideological perspective of this podcast that um, sort of like fancy dresses from the 80s are the pinnacle, like like poofy, like the sort of thing that we like 
I don't know, for a while, I guess the joke was that there was like bad 80s prom dresses, but I, I feel like it is the ideological position of this podcast that that is actually the pinnacle of, of fashion. And some of Mary's friends show up and they're definitely wearing like fantastic, like 80s, like formal dresses in this way that, you know, was missing, for example, from the, the Sleepaway Camp movies. And so, like, Fashion in this movie is on point. People do a great job. Prince wears some amazing shit. Um, he is constantly wearing like five inch heels, um, which I don't know how official this is, but people talk about when he died. I guess he was using a lot of painkillers because he had a lot of pain, and people are connecting that to, um, you know, his his walking around on really high heels for most of his life. I don't know whether that's true or not, but. I mean, he was rocking it. He was killing it in those heels. There's a scene. There's such... It's such a funny scene. Like, it's so tempting to describe this filmmaking as inept and this acting as inept. And I feel like that misses the point of how fucking charming it is. There's a scene where Prince... Or, sorry, Christopher and Mary are, like, slow dancing. They're doing, like, um, you know, like, dips and the spins and all that shit while they're, like, having their, like... Um, heterosexual mating ritual like verbal sparring that like trope um, <laughs> but it's just, just so ridiculous they started calling each other names and it and they're calling each other names and they're escalating until Prince wins the like romantic name calling contest by calling her a cabbage head <laughs> Prince I wish you had written more movies like that's fantastic um, what else happens I they almost kiss I'm looking at my notes now um there's a scene where there's these two little like punker kids like punker 80s kids and they're like these like little like white kids with like spiky hair and one of them totally has like a black stripe of makeup across his eyes like Pris the replicant in Blade Runner which is one of the like all time best like makeup looks right and it's cool to see that on, like, a nine-year-old boy. I feel like that was a good move. Um, at one point, there's a leopard and an elephant. Um, there's a point in which um, Christopher and Tricky, the two gigolos, are sitting in a cafe, and it's almost like you can, like, see inside of Prince's head as he's writing this movie where he's like, okay, there's been a lot of talking. Like, we need to make something exciting happen. And so sort of without any foreshadowing, they're just attacked by a bunch of bats. <laughs> like, the cafe is infested with bats and they attack everyone. Um, Prince drives a car where the license plate says, Love. Um, about halfway through the movie, Tricky starts wearing a cowboy hat just all the time. He doesn't mention it. He's just like, this is my look now. I wear a cowboy hat. Um, so... Christopher and Mary have this relationship that's going on. They, like, get together. They fall apart. They accuse each other of things. She's like, you just want my money. I forget what he says. Who knows? It's, like, you know, classic gross stuff. But at one point, he, like, picks her up. He's like, get in my car. And she gets in the car. And then you think they're going to talk, but they're not talking. I think maybe he was like, I need to talk to you, so get in my car. She gets in the car, and then... Um, they're not talking for a while, and she goes, I thought you wanted to talk. And <laughs> Prince, while he's driving the car, he looks at her and he goes, maybe I just wanted to look at you. But it's like, dude, you're driving a car. Like, you should not, you should look, you should keep an eye on the road. You know what I mean? Um, 
And so, yeah, so it kind of goes on. I, like I said, I struggle to pay attention. And then, like, they get to a point where they're, like, going to kiss, right? Where they're, like, making up. And then the fucking song Kiss plays, dude. And it's exactly, it's not exactly like Purple Rain, right? It's not as good as Purple Rain because nobody's performing it. It's not like live performance, but it's still, like, that song starts and you were like, oh, fuck, yes. Like, Prince, <laughs> you just write the best fucking music, dude. Um, it's it like is one of those things sort of like the bat attack where you're like okay this was like losing steam but then that came in and it like got right back on track um and what else happens the thugs beat up tricky and <laughs> tricky fucking calls one of a, like implies that one of the thugs is gay because he's wearing loafers he's like you know who wears loafers right it's people who are confused are you confused bitch <laughs> so unnecessary to imply that that guy is gay but also kind of funny because it's like three huge dudes beating the shit out of him and he's like you're gay um I don't know maybe that's not funny um eventually Christopher is shot I don't remember who shot him I think I wasn't paying attention at that point he dies just like we were told he was gonna die um there's a scene early on in the movie where Tricky like Christopher like comes into the building where he and Tricky are staying, right? Where they have their like little like apartment and like Christopher gets out of the car and he's clearly like the like cool dude that all the kids want to hang out with. There's all these like kids who are playing basketball and they're like, dude, dude, Christopher, Christopher. And he's like, get a fucking job, you mooches. And he like gives them some money because he's like got money, I guess. <laughs> Obviously. And he goes inside, um, and he's, like, gonna get on the elevator that goes up to his room, and then, like, Tricky and the woman who owns the, like, the, uh, I don't know if it's a hotel or an apartment building or whatever, but the, like, owner, the landlord, like, Tricky and the landlord, like, just pop up from behind a desk where they've, I guess, been doing it, and they, like, put their clothes back on, and then she's immediately, the landlord is like, you gotta give me my money, like, you all need to pay your rent, and Prince is like, okay, well... Uh, I don't have any and she like reaches into his clothes and pulls out a ton of money and takes it um, <clears throat> which foreshadows the end when um, turns out so again one of the reasons I'm reluctant to talk about some of the like thematic stuff right is like having the black sex worker die at the end of the movie feels like kind of a bad move right but also having Prince, the guy who like wrote and starred in the movie that is kind of like a like vanity project in a way, um, having that character die seems kind of awesome. And the other black sex worker lives, right? So I don't know how to interpret that. I think it's probably okay. I think we don't have to probably be like, here's why it's busted is because it ends in this way. Um, especially since Tricky winds up like getting with that woman who is the landlord, right? Um, they like... I think probably they end up rich and marry the girl who got naked and played hip-hop drums. Um, she's like traveling and traced them a letter and um, it ends with like Tricky I guess is now the landlord of where they're living and he's like you know like girl you gotta give me my money for like rent and he like goes up some steps and then she follows him up the steps but like She's wearing a really short skirt, and as she goes up the steps, like, the movie closes with us, like, looking up her skirt, which is a weird decision, right? And, again, I don't know. I don't know how to read that. Maybe it's busted. Maybe it's cute. Maybe maybe it's cool. There's also this thing that happens after that where, like, 
over the credits, Prince is performing, and it's actually, it's Prince and the Revolution. Like, you see, I think, all of the band members from Purple Rain, except now they're not dressed like Purple Rain anymore. They're, like, floating in the sky, and, um, like, Wendy and Lisa are there, and they're wearing, like, flowing, like, white things. Like, everybody's wearing, like, these, like, white things, like, they're angels now. It's, like, funny to watch it after watching uh, Graffiti Bridge, because... Like, they're all gone, but it feels like a, like, midway, like, fashion step between where Prince was at in Purple Rain and in Graffiti Bridge in terms of, like, I don't know, what happened between 1986 and 1990. Who fucking is? What are you talking about? Who cares about this shit? My point is just, at the end, like, there's, like, um, Tricky and What's-Her-Name are dancing, and this time she has this big umbrella that she, like, drops down to, like, kiss him behind, and the umbrella is, like, the same pattern as the underwear that we saw the camera, like, close out on it when it looked up her skirt. It's just, like, body. You know what I mean? It's, like, uh... Oh, I feel like there's a word that I associate with the fucking, like, Canterbury Tales or something. Maybe it is body. Um, so... Is there anything else to talk about about this movie? There might not be. That might be it. Um... Mm. Yeah, dude, I guess that's all I got. Probably, like, third best Prince movie. Um, stuff worth seeing, probably worth checking out, but, you know, it's no Graffiti Bridge, it's no Purple Rain. Um, kicks the shit out of a lot of really good movies that I haven't seen, though, so... <laughs> truck nuts and dick holes that's it image and benny on twitter this song is by people watching that other song was by gorgon fuck capitalism and fuck your internalized colonizer mindset see ya